You're listening to the weekly podcast of City Church Orlando, located just off of 1792 at 650 Airport Boulevard in Sanford, Florida. Our website, orlandocitychurch.com. For better or worse, to have and to hold from this day forward, wedding vows are more than a declaration of love. They hold the keys for a strong, lasting marriage. Whether you hope to get married someday or you've already tied the knot, today we'll discover what these words can mean for the future of your relationship. Our scripture reading comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Today's message is entitled, The Vow. It's Valentine's. A lot of love in the air. A lot of love in the air. A lot of whole whole concept of relationships. You can, you know, Good Morning America this week, they were talking about how to have a better marriage on Friday, how to have better relationships. And I want to talk to you this morning. I want to begin, Pastor Glenn's going to finish it this week. I'm going to speak to you a message entitled, The Vow of Partnership. The Vow of Partnership. Next week, Pastor Glenn's going to talk about the vow of purity. This message is for everyone, whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you want to be married, don't want to be married, this message is for everybody here. 96% of Americans will be married at some point in their life. 96% of Americans. And so many concepts and ideas that we have about marriage and about relationships, they don't come from God. They come from our own ideas. They come from our parents. They come from what the popular culture says. They come what TV says, what Julia Roberts or whoever, or Lady Gaga, whoever people are listening to. I mean, it, they, they don't come from God. And God has given a great, God has given not only a great, God has given the best plan for success in marriage and relationships in your life. There's a principle in the Bible called first mention. Everyone say first mention. The, the concept of first mention is that the first time God talks about something in the Bible if you follow that through from Genesis to Revelation, that's what God says about that principle all the way through the Bible. All the way through the Bible. It's called first mention principle. The very first time that we see men and women in the Bible, we see God's first mention of God's priority, God's purpose, God's plan, and purity for the marriage relationship. You see it right in the very, very beginning. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. We're going to read verses 18 through 25. Verses 18 through 25. You can follow along if you don't have your Bible. You can follow along on the screen. But Genesis chapter 2, beginning with verse number 18. The Lord God said. I'm not, listen, this is not, I'm just reporting to you. God said this. The Lord God said. It is not good for the man to be alone. And all the men said, I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field, all the birds of the air, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. Wow. Right here in the very beginning, God gives Adam work. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Verse number 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with the flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman 
from the man he'd taken out, from a rib he had taken out of the man. And he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of the man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Everyone say, one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. They felt no shame. Let me pray for you today. Father, I pray for your people. Give them ears to hear. Let them hear beyond what I have to say. Let them hear what you have to say. God, I pray that their hearts will be open mentally, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, in every dimension to be able to hear the truth that you have a wonderful plan for them and for their relationships and for their marriage. I bless your people today in your wonderful name. Amen. The roles of men and women. The roles of men and women of the Bible are not equal. The roles of men and women in culture and society are not equal. There's still a disparity between what men make in similar fields and what women make in similar fields. It wasn't until 1919 in America that women were even given the right to vote. We've come a long way, babies. We've come a long way. In the last 80 years of American culture and society, there have been so many benefits. Women didn't have a right to vote. African Americans didn't have to have a right to vote. It wasn't until 1965. The African Americans were given the constitutional right to vote across this land. I was born in 1963, in my lifetime. In my lifetime, that's a fact. We've seen some great progress made in this understanding of human and individual rights. Incredible. But at the same time, we've seen some great reversals. We've seen a lot of confusion about who does what and how things work in relationships. And as we've developed as a culture, we've seen this institution in America of marriage really become so fragmented and so confused that 45% of people who get married will end up in divorce. 45%. It's a statistical fact. I don't make that up. It's a fact. And marriage brings lots of pain. I mean, marriage brings lots of pain. Marriage brings lots of pain. But divorce brings tremendous heartache and great problems. I mean, blended in our church, blended families, trying to figure out kids and this and relationships and the money and who's going to do what. It's a lot of pain, a lot of problems. And it's been perpetuated in our culture because there are some famous people who have a lot of money and they change wives and they change husbands like, like they're changing a pair of dirty shoes. It's all confused about what's right and what's wrong. And I want to talk to you this morning about God's view. But God's plan for this thing that we call marriage. And it begins with the vow. Everyone say the vow. You guys have all heard the vow. You know how the vow goes. The vow says something like this. Uh, I, I wrote, I had to write it down because it says, I, Eugene, take you, Laura, to be my wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, and you guys up there, his knees are shaking, can't hear a word the guy's saying, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness or in health, to love and to cherish, till death do his part. I hereto pledge you my faithfulness. It's a vow. That's a pretty common vow that you would hear in most weddings across the land. That's a vow. The concept vow 
The concept vow or the word vow means covenant. Everyone say covenant. All right. Okay. Vow. What's that mean? Now, what's covenant? We kind of, is it vow? No, no, no. It's a vow. It's a covenant. This is what a covenant is. This is what a covenant is. A vow or a covenant is an agreement or a promise between two people based upon a mutual understanding that each will perform or behave in a certain way. In the Bible, the concept covenant was either for this life, for the re- you'd make a covenant with somebody, it would be the rest of your life, or in the Bible, covenants were everlasting. God made an everlasting covenant with Abraham. God said, Abraham, I will bless you, and I will make you a blessing to the nations, and through your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. As long as there's humans. As long as there's humans. God made an everlasting covenant. But this concept of covenant is based upon trust. Marriage relationships that work are based upon trust. In our culture today, it's no longer about covenant. It's about contract. We want to make sure that we protect ourselves. And when we sign contracts, it's the difference between a covenant and a contract. A covenant is based on trust. A contract is based on distrust. I don't really trust you. Therefore, we're going to write this out. And if you don't perform according to this contract, we're going to have a problem. You know, if our, in our culture, everybody wants you to get into a contract, right? You get a cell phone and they want you to help. What do they want you to do? Sign a contract. And you, you try to get out of that cell phone contract, it's easier to get divorced in America than it is to get out of your cell phone contract. Oh, we all know. Come on. They want you to sign a contract. Rest of your life. Firstborn child, draw 14 gallons of blood. I mean, you ain't getting out of that baby. We got these guys, bless their hearts, they come, they inspect the fire extinguishers. Fire extinguishers. They want us to sign a three-year contract. I said, no. I ain't signing no three. I don't even know if they're going to be around in three years. I got to pay them because I'm sure that contract is written in their favor. Whether they die, go away, I'm still going to be paying them until Jesus comes. So no, I ain't doing no three-year contract on a fire extinguisher. And that fire extinguisher's not even going to be around in three years. Everyone said amen. Big difference. Big, big, big difference. I want to talk to you about how you, how you can experience God's blessing and God's blessed best in your marriage relationship. I'm going to give you some building blocks. I'm going to give you some building blocks for success in your marriage relationship. The first one that I want to talk about is priorities. Everyone say priorities. Priorities. Jesus nailed it right on the head. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 6, 33. Jesus is talking about human relationships and our trust of God. I want to read this to you in the New Living Translation. In Matthew 6, 33, Jesus said, And he will give you all you need. Listen to me. He will give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. What are you worried about today? Worried about paying your bills? Worried about if your husband's going to leave you? Worried about if your wife's going to run off with somebody else? Worried about how your kids are going to do in school? Worried about if you're going to keep your job this week? What are you going to worry about? I mean, what are the things that really cause you at night to lay there and think and kind of process and try to figure out and consternation and pay, take a Tums or a pet? I mean, what are the things that bother you? Jesus said, if you make the kingdom of God your primary concern, all these other things are going to be added to you. 
This is how it works in the marriage relationship. This is how it works. First of all, you're single. You don't have to raise your hand. You're single. No, I'm, I'm speaking right to you today. This is for you. You're single. And you're looking for Mr. Wright. You're looking for Mrs. America. I mean, she's going to be my Miss America. You're looking for the right one. You're looking for the one. You know, the one that you get that, you know, you get that kind of feeling. You're looking for that one. You're single. Is he the one? Come on. You're single. You meet this guy and you kind of like feel a little bit. Is he the one? Is she the one? All right. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. Listen. This is what you do. You look for a person. You look for a man or for a person who's making God's kingdom. You make God's kingdom number one in their life. In other words, they make serving Jesus, putting God first, doing things that matter to God, loving God, loving other people, serving God, serving their community, being generous, working on forgiving people. I mean, just doing the basic things. You look for a person that, that, that has that kind of heart. It, you know, on, and I've never done this, but I hear this is the case on eHarmony, you know, you can go on these people, they go on eHarmony, they go to these different sites, and they're looking for the one. And you can find out a lot about people. And some women are just attracted to the bad boys. And boys can be really bad. They can be really bad. They can. All the men said, amen. Hey, I wasn't, I'll listen, I work in a Christian environment, and I don't hear a lot of really bad talk often. But I went to the barber shop. I went to an all-male barber shop where they give you a beer if you want a beer or whatever, you know. And I didn't take a beer because I don't drink, but look, no, no. But I didn't take a beer, but you know, they're all male barbershop, and, and a guy's cut my hair. And there's a guy right in the right before me, man, and he was talking like a man. I mean, you know what I mean? He's talking about this and that and her and them and, you know, every kind of thing. I mean, I was like, whoa, just shut up, dude. That's what I wanted to say. That's the culture, you guys, you know, you have guys you're working with and looking at this and that and talking about this and that. That's not a kingdom person. The Bible says, the Bible says, don't be unequally yoked. In other words, don't walk in agreement with people who don't think like God thinks. Come on, amen. If you're single, I will save you a lot of pain in your life. I will save you a lot of pain, young woman. If you look for a man who has a heart after God. He ain't ever going to be perfect because there ain't no one perfect in this life. But you're looking for a person. You're, you're a young man. You're an older man. I don't care what age you are. You're still single. You look for a person that's making God's kingdom their primary concern. That's what you look for. You do that, I'm telling you, I'm t- I promise you. And then this is how it works out in the family relationship. We're a partnership. My wife and I our partnership. You understand partnerships as far as business goes. The business world understands partnerships. Because the, the business world in a partnership has a bottom line. And in order to get to the bottom line, that's make money, they got to have some goals. They got to have some agreements. They got to have some things that they're working towards. And that's exactly what my wife and I, that's exactly what our relationship is. Our relationship is a partnership. So I'm a parent. Little Junior comes along. Little Junior's four years old, doesn't want to go to church. Wants to stay home. Sunday morning, got the remote control. He's already four years old. Bring him a bowl of cereal and a little remote control. And little Junior don't feel like going to church today because he's got an earache. 
I'm like, no, the earache, earache my eye. Earache, yeah. Little Junior doesn't feel like going to church. He's eight years old, and he's telling you what to do and where to go and how far to do it. Not. No. You're the parent. You are the parent. I didn't want to go to church. I can tell you, when I was 12 years old, 13, 14, no way. But you know what? I was a drug baby. I was a drug teenager. And when I was doing drugs, they were still dragging me to church. That's true. They were still, they were... I didn't have an option. If my daddy was paying the bills and I was living under his roof, no, I didn't pay attention. I sat in the back and the pastor had to call me. I had all kinds of challenges. But let me tell you, you're the parent. You're the parent. You set the rules. You set the pace. You set the goals for this family. So this is how it worked out in our family. My profession just happens to be I yell a lot and talk to people a little bit about Jesus. I yell and tell. That's my job. And so in my family... Very first church, my wife and I, I'm in Bible college. God speaks to us. Another couple, there's four of us. We go into the inner city of Seattle, and we start this church. My son, Austin, was probably eight months, nine months, a year old. I don't know, just a little tiny kid. Uh, we were in the inner city, and the racial tension in America, because the Rodney King riot thing was really huge. It was really big. Some of you that are older, you remember that. It was a big deal. You can Google it, YouTube it. And it was 1991, somewhere around there. 1991, it was a big deal in America. And we're in the inner seat on the West Coast, and there's a lot of tension. And here I am, I'm going door to door in the inner city, and I'm telling people about Jesus, and I'm inviting them to the church. And my little baby boy is in a little buggy, and we're just pushing him up and down the street, and we're knocking on doors, and we're telling people that God loves them and has a plan for their life. Because my son was part of my business. He was part of our partnership. He didn't, have a, he didn't have a choice of his eight months. But as they have grown, the best thing that we've done is to make our boys part of our life. They're part of our business. They're part of our family. And we talk about everything. We talk about money. We talk about politics. We talk about sex. We talk about TV. We talk about movies. We talk, we talk about culture. We talk about... What's going on in the world? We talk about it. It's because they're part of the family business. We're the parents. We set the pace. We set the course. We set the goal. Our partnership, though, partnership is not an individual. I'm one person. I'm the husband. And I have the better half. And her name is Laura Jean, was Loy, now Smith. And we're going to welcome her this morning to the City Church Platform. Can you give her a great big hand this morning? You're going to sit. We had her on the wrong side in the first service, so she's going to sit over on this side. Well, this is my better half, and we've been, we're not, listen, we're not experts. You know, we took a couple classes, maybe in counseling in school, but, but we just have life. We have life experience, and my wife is a learner. She loves to learn. She loves to read. She loves to read about relationships and about marriages, and so we're going to talk about that. We just see her favorite things relationships. And for women, isn't that true? Most women, it's all about relationships. You get a couple of women, they start talking. No, the guys, I mean, hey, hey, Frank, how are you feeling today? You know, I mean, guys, t- Frank, t- oh, I like that dress. No, guys ain't doing that. Hey, ugly, what's going on? No, I mean, think, I mean, just think about the verbal 
just think about the verbal conversation difference between a guy. I'm just, but you get a couple guys, and what are they, slugging? I get the guys, I slug a guy, I hit him. She's hitting me now. She's telling me, stop it. No. See, that's how we communicate. 90% of communication is nonverbal. Do you know that? 90%. 50, 57% of communication is your body language. 35% of your communication is your tone. And then 7% is actually the words that you use. So communication is a big deal. My wife and I, married 23 years and a half, 23 years and a half. I want to give you the four things. You'll write these down. There's four keys I want to give you real quick for, for partnership. The first one is your words. Write these down. The first one is your words. Ephesians chapter 5 says, let no corrupt. The word in the Greek is, the word means is sarphos is in the Greek, but in the, it literally means putrefying, death. Paul actually used another word in the Greek. begins with an S in English. Don't let any that come out of your mouth. Don't let any corrupt word come out of your mouth. Don't let it happen. But words that edify, build up, and encourage. And I want to tell you, when you say something like divorce, the moment you speak that word, you're bringing death into that relationship. Don't do it. You're a Christian. Don't use that word. You will bring destruction into your family. Don't ever use that word. I beg you. I implore you. If I could take my jacket off, tear it up. I don't know how else to convey this. The words that you speak over your children. It's so easy for men. As men, we're fixers. They just, you know, my wife just wants to tell me. As soon as she starts telling me about one of her people on her team, but, you know, she just wants to talk to me about it, I just, well, let's just get it fixed. So bring them in and let's talk about it. We'll get it fixed. She don't want to get it fixed. She just wants to talk about it. The words that you speak will determine you. Listen, every young person, every person in this room, the words that you speak in your relationship will determine the success or the failure of that relationship. The words that you say. The second one is obedience to God's word. And this, in obedience to God's word, you need to find out what God's word says about money. You need to find out what God's word says about morality, morality, sexual purity. And you need to find out what God's word about the things that matter most, and that's your family and your friends. God says something about every single area. And God says, listen, if you obey me and my commands, I will bless you. You will be above and not beneath. Third thing is, you, every guy, every guy, just say these three words with me. Just say these three words. I am wrong. Come on, let's do it again. Come on, guys, help me out. Help me out. I am wrong. All right, guys, you got to be quick to repent. And, and, you know, our relationship is actually a little bit different on this area because I tend to be the one I'm, we were going to talk about. It. I mean, our relationship, we would, when we first, she would like to just kind of like go away and get into a room. She'd been by herself. She needed her space. One time we got in a fight, one of those merit, I mean, we got into a, a disagreement, a marital moment, and she was like over the edge. And she was walk, going out the door. It was our first year of marriage. She was trying to walk down the street. I wouldn't let her walk down the street. I was chasing her. People must have thought we were insane. I was literally chasing her down the street. And I, I said, no, you are not going to walk away from this. We're going to work this out. She's like, leave me alone. i got to just have my space. I wouldn't let her. No, because they're in my nature, I don't let relationships. If i got a sideways relationship, I'm on it. I just, uh, no cracks, no gaps. Everyone say, no cracks, no gaps. So it's a big deal. Big, 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 big deal on relationships. That's repentance. Having a heart that's repentant. That's how you keep your heart clean. That's how you keep the air clean. Man, if you're going days and weeks without communicating with one another, you got a problem. And someone needs to humble themselves. And if the other person was wrong, so what? 
you take, you be the bigger person. I use a phrase, outbig them. Outbig them. Just be bigger in that moment because they're being childish. Just outbig them. And the last one is, just keep doing the right things. This thing's a journey. You know, the, the feelings, the emotions that you feel when you first connect with someone, they're overwhelming. They're passionate. They're powerful. You know, all those things. But the longevity of a relationship is just keep doing the right things. Keep doing the right things over and over. Thanks for listening to this message, The Vow, with lead pastor Eugene Smith. For service times and more information about City Church Orlando, please log on to our website, orlandocitychurch.com, or call 407-321-9600.